Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by myself, Steve, Mike, and the two great Eds. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Hello. A pair of Eds is a great opening hand. <laughs> um, I, I think people are itching to talk about New Mexico. Yeah. Yes, sure. but I did put cream on it earlier. So I'm not itching quite as much. What did he eat for breakfast this morning? <laughs> I just feel like being a uh, wisecrack. Hey. I'm not sure which is the bigger story out of New Mexico, what the governor did or the resistance that she's receiving. Right. Both are pretty well. Big the resistance story, obviously is the is the real story because it is sort of one of the few times that we've seen the public in general. And other elected officials with power, like the sheriff and the DA, um, completely repudiate an order of a sitting governor. So I think that's the real story. Well, I mean, don't these people know that their bank accounts are about to get, uh, you know, yeah. totally, they're going to be debanked and they're going to lose access? So I think well, I have... that, that has been the theory put forth here on the show periodically. Oh, the theory has been that they're going <laughs> to implement a central bank digital currency. And that when they do that, then it'll be much easier for them to do that. Well, I, I, it, I mean, they did it in Canada before having digital currency. Yeah. True. So it is doable. I, 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 I it, think it's it is possible. very doable. They, they'd have to find everybody who is in the square and then they'd have to, uh, you know, debank them by calling mm -hmm. their friends at the Chase or. Yeah. J.P. Morgan, you know, sure. I, it's certainly possible. Um, so okay, I mean, the problem is levels I of think... resistance here. There's the people resisting by going out and you know demonstrating, wearing their their live gun, their weapons. Um, there's the resistance of the politicians there and other places. There's the resistance of the attorney general, I believe it is, to say he's not going to defend this. Then you got even people like David Hogg coming out against it. And one theory is that some of the Democrats are coming out against it because this is make, going way too far, making them look really stupid and or exposing them for what they really are prematurely. So now my my theory and I've forgotten my um, tinfoil hat, like Congressman Ted Lieu, uh, South Bay, Los Angeles area, um, a little to the left of Mao Zedong on all things. Um, California, of course, is not a concealed carry or open carry state. I mean, I'm not even sure they've changed their laws since the Bruin decision last year. Uh, I, I, you know, the Bruin should have made every state a shell issue state, and I'm not even sure California has done that. So it's not clear that Ted Lieu or anyone in California uh, actually believes in the right to bear arms. Um, so why did he come out and say this is a violation of a constitutional right uh, when he doesn't believe in constitutional rights and probably doesn't even believe in the Constitution either? Well, some and of them I said think, the states can't do it, leaving open that the feds could do it. I mean, there's a bunch of theories going on here. I, I, I tend to think that because she did it based on the public health emergency um, thing, it's again, I don't have my tinfoil hat. I really should have. Uh, borrowed it from Alex Jones, but um, she was an old, uh, you know, she used to be a health secretary in, in New Mexico, and she 
Um, she did it. I'm declaring a public health emergency and uh, we're going to ban, you know, uh, carrying of firearms in Albuquerque. And I think there's enough time between now and next summer for the courts to weigh in and say, you can't do this based on a public health emergency. You can't remove uh, people's rights. And, and I think that they, they want to do all sorts of things next year based on public health emergencies. They're making such a big deal out of this new shot and this new uh, variant of COVID, which I think you cough three times when you get this variant rather than the normal two times. Um, and uh, I, I think they're saving all of the public health emergency infringements on our liberties uh, for next summer when it could really make a difference in the election. And they don't want courts weighing in right now saying you can't do that. So that's my that's my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory belief on why somebody like Ted Lieu or David Hogg, well, David Hogg doesn't mm -hmm. have two brain cells to rub together, but somebody like Ted Lieu is coming out against um, Governor Grisham and her uh, actions. In, that's in what I alluded to. Um, California either proposed or passed laws that are sort of like New York's, and that's within the last day, saying, yeah, you can carry a gun, just can't carry it anywhere. So as long yeah, as that sounds like what makes you think what makes you think that the same courts that upheld the lockdowns and upheld most of the COVID restrictions won't uphold this one. Uh, but they haven't, Edward. I do not believe that they have held them up. I, I, I think uh, a lot of the restrictions are getting struck down in the courts. Finally, now, three years later, because that's how long it takes to get stuff. Well, struck things down. are starting to change. Yes. But for the most part. I'd still say we're on the losing side of that of that scoreboard. I don't know. The vaccine mandates got struck down. The mask mandates uh, on airplanes got struck down. The uh, um, as far as the lockdowns are concerned, uh, certainly they've been struck down in some states. I don't know about federally. I don't remember. But I, I think you know. I think we're on the winning side of the lockdown uh, issue anyway. Where we're not on the winning side is let's mass mail everyone and their brother and their two cats uh, uh, ballots. Um, that is, we have not won that yet. Um, well, and that'll continue in certain states, but hopefully they'll, um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll stop it in, in just, they only need to stop it in a couple of states. So uh, hopefully they'll stop it. Um, as our fearless leader asked me to mention, which is never too many times to mention, nobody cares about a Supreme Court ruling about guns. And this is just another one of the many instances where the people who want to outlaw guns could not give a hoot what the Supreme Court said, just like New York did with their laws. And now what she's doing, nobody cares because by the time a court really does anything, it's several years down the road and they can't enforce it anyway. So there's yeah, there, there was only one uh, individual right that the court upheld instantly, and that was the right to abortion until the Dobbs decision. I mean, if you if you even mentioned quietly in the back room that you wanted to restrict abortion, some judge would step on you immediately. But anything else, free speech, freedom of religion, 
Second Amendment, um, any of the other Bill of Rights, it takes years for the court to uh, step in. Right. And there's no nothing's going to happen to this governor for what she did. I think in the old days, there was some kind of recipe with tar and feathers. But nothing's going to happen to her. At the very worst, it'll. You don't get need a recipe like tar and feathers. We've we've got the blueprint. They're using it on Trump. That's the blueprint. Somebody. There is a federal. There is a federal law, and I forget what it is off the top of my head. Where if you attempt to deprive people of their civil liberties for um, under the color of law, uh, you're guilty of a federal crime. Now, there's no federal prosecutor going to go after it because the federal DOJ is. Um, Corrupt, but uh, it's it's something that that could be pushed by uh, elected leaders. Um, there has to be at least one Repu- conservative Republican uh, U.S. attorney in New Mexico. There has to be one. Bring I the case. Know. Yeah. Well, I would definitely, but who knows. Well, I mean, I'm in, I'm encouraged by the resistance, and I, I think obviously when it comes to Second Amendment rights, there's a little bit more of a a, a lobby, if you will, of people out there that are going to rise up pretty quickly, as opposed to some of these other issues that that are floating out there. Um, so, I mean, I've been a little bit bullish about people fighting back about potential COVID tyranny again. I I'm going to hold to that position for now. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I am encouraged by what I see in, in New Mexico. And, um, you know, you just start to wonder how much little by little these things pile on that people are going to continue to rise up. And, and it's the same thing in, with the parental rights and education and all this other stuff. And now we see what's going on in Ca- California, where they basically want to take your child away if you're not uh, acquiescing to the whole gender tyranny stuff. Um, so we'll see. I've heard from a number of friends saying, um, taking my kids out of school uh, just because yeah. of the of the um, gender transition nonsense. Not so much that they just don't want their kids, um, you know, groomed into thinking they're something other than what they are. Yeah. And I, uh, obviously in California, it's going a lot further than that. They're basically yeah. saying if you, if you try to intervene, we're taking your kid away. And that means the puberty blockers and all that other stuff is in play. I mean, that's just evil. We're talking about evil personified there, what they're doing. I mean, your kid, your kid can't buy a cigarette in a 7-Eleven, but they're, they're okay with having them change their gender at, at 13, 14 years old. Without yeah, no and they can't parents. without parental no right exactly, and they there can't no buy parental a, rights. A Playboy at Seven Eleven, mm-hmm. but they can go into the school library and see um, pedophile porn. Yeah, put there by the uh, Amer- American Library Association, a bunch of communists. Right. I assume everybody has seen the clip of Senator Kennedy reading pornography in Congress. Yeah, I did see yeah. that. And, and the Democrats awesome. are outraged. How could he use such words? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were offended by the language. They were shocked, shocked. Shocked, yeah. I tell you, shocked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, I think that's the kind of in-your-face stuff that people need to do and stop playing this game. 
when people try it in, in, you know, for education meetings, you know, local meetings of the boards, they get shouted down and or possibly thrown out and arrested because they can be shut up for that. But at least in Congress, you can't shut up a senator yet. See me. Yeah. So, okay. He's good. Um, yeah, he says some good stuff. That's all there is to be said about this gun thing. I know I could wax endlessly about gun things, but nah, I, think I don't want to talk about waxing. We said we're getting off of those <laughs> subjects, did we not? Um, I just will mention, as you all know, one of my sons did live in Albuquerque until very recently and was an open carrier. And I'm kind of glad he's out because it hits really, really close to home. And well, let's just say that they leave these people who demonstrated alone, but when applying for the bar, that comes up as having yeah. committed publicly a crime. And then what? So, well, it, it's not a crime. It's not a crime. I mean, you can't just decree crimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hear what you mean. But you know I what? Guess, well, it, it's, uh, I, what are the words that they use when you have to be admitted to the bar? High character well, or something, whatever? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were people jailed during covid and there were no laws passed exactly so i mean it was it was the law the law is emergency, the one that emergency powers it's it's exactly it's the statute that authorizes the executive orders and the executive powers emergency powers yeah, yeah so if they want to go after people listen they're going after law licenses of so many lawyers they're destroying the whole profession with what they're doing with trump trying to keep lawyers um the interesting story seems to be that the governor of New Mexico is having trouble to get a lawyer to work on her side. But again, I think that's because they shot their load way too early and this was a tactical error on her part. But who knows? Um, the next story I wanted to talk about, just because it ticks me off so bad, is a picture I actually put up in our show notes for the first time I ever put a picture. Kamala Harris laughing at the 9-11 <laughs> memorial. Now, granted, the snapshot. Paul Harris doesn't laugh. She cackles. Cackles. It's a <laughs> snapshot. I don't have the patience to yeah. look for or watch a video of it. But in my humble opinion, there is no room to even crack a smile at that ceremony. Um, it kind of reminds uh, us old folks about the famous Clinton thing when he switched from uh, oh, yeah. ears into the Rush Limbaugh the, video. Yeah. Rush <laughs> played it 400,000. Fake, the fake crying. Yeah. The fake crying. But I just find this to be so unbelievably disrespectful. Wow. So yes, fitting for Opposed Kamala. To everything else they do, Stephen, <laughs> I mean, every single thing they do is disrespectful to us. At least I, she was there. I'm sorry? At least she was there. At least she was there is one argument. Um, do we expect more from yeah. her? No, but again, have you no shame? No. I can't. I'm, I'm I'm looking at the picture right now on my screen. Was there any context to it at all that I could? I don't know, and I don't care to, because to be a, any bit fair here is was there. <laughs> I would be very careful about smiling at that ceremony. Period. Yeah. This is not a funeral. This is a memorial ceremony for thousands of people. If you can't hold it together for 15 minutes, don't go. I just. Wow. You know, it's kind of like Biden looking at his watch at Dover, but this just, it absolutely disgusts me. Yes. Yeah, so on top of Biden not showing up, but had he shown up, he would have done even stupider things. Well, Probably him, he his watch. He might have fell asleep. He might have fallen asleep. He could have done all kinds of stuff, but I just, 
I don't know. Ed, Ed M, you're saying it irks you a bit less possibly because it's not much different than what else they do. Well, Am I they the do a lot, a lot of things worse. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Ed. This is just oh. something insulting. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, everything they do is insulting. But what, what really struck me overall about 9-11 is, is how it seems to be fading in the public consciousness in general. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, it's just, you know, all, all of us were old enough to have lived through it. You know, Mike, I, Mike, me, and and Stephen, we were all literally right there. I mean, I lived right across the river on 9-11. I smelled the de dead bodies for weeks afterwards. It's it's something that's just really burned into my memory. And I mean, every year I think about it. Every year I see every year I see Todd Beamer's transcript with right. with the the operator and the and the FBI agent. And it never fails to bring a tear to my eye. Um, it, it's a day that that I'll never forget, but it seems like the country is forgetting it. And part of it is uh -huh. that, I mean, part of it is that, we, you know, we forgot it almost immediately. I mean, when Bush said that, you know, Islam is a religion of peace, I mean, he sort of checkmated us. I mean, yeah. I, I, mean I guess I did realize that at the time, but... I mean, it, it, it's hard because when 9-11 does come around, part of you is trying to almost muster up the emotions that you had when that happened. And even in the subsequent year after afterwards, I mean, I remember it being called the 9-11 year. We, the country was in mourning for a, a year, e even more, yeah. really. Um, so it's just human nature not to be able to do that. Um, I'm struggling now as my kids are coming of age when 9-11 comes around every year to explain to them, to try to impart some of that to them. And it's very difficult, um, you know, and, and, and your memory, as much as the planes hitting the buildings are seared into your memory, the scene of Bush on the pile of rubble, um, remembering the aftermath and how the families were still searching in vain for their loved ones and had flyers with their pictures on it those are the things that you know, you know I, I think i'm trying to impart to my kids to get them to un under people jumping out of buildings to avoid being burnt to death i mean there was yeah i mean we have kids coming out of college today who weren't born yet i saw a quick interview with some of them some kind of heard of it some kind of didn't hear of it um i guess we'd have to compare 1963 vis-a-vis -vis pearl harbor you know how much was that burnt into people's consciences Back in 1963, I was only a little yeah. boy, so I can't testify to that. But I, I do agree with you, Ed. It, it has faded, whether what Mike says, because that's just natural, or is it because we don't want it in the public consciousness? And there's the yeah. kind of sister story, which I meant to mention before, if I hadn't yet, but it even comes up more around 9-11, that New York is just passed, I don't know, it wasn't a law. The uh, mayor just announced it that Muezzin in New York during Ramadan are going to be allowed to blast their messages. Well, the, the, Stephen, I, it's you know you and I are the two two Jewish voices on the show, and I mean I I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I I, I didn't live during the Holocaust, but the mere mention of the phrase "never forget," the mere sight of a swastika, the mere sight of of uh, old old film of of Nazis marching. It immediately just evokes emotions in me and, and somberness that 
I would have expected, and I, I mean, that 9-11 also invokes those same emotions, those emotions of sorrow, of hurt, of pain. And, you know, 9-11 is sort of the same thing for me, um, but it's not the same for, you know, I think that for Jewish people, it's like that, but uh, 9-11 is, is, is fading. I mean, it's just, and maybe Holocaust remembrance is starting to fade too. I don't, I mean, you maybe have better, you know, you have more contact with Jewish people than I do, but. Uh, well, I mean, the Holocaust obviously is a thousand times more complicated. It lasted longer until very recently. Everybody still knew survivors. I mean, in my synagogue, we lost the last one within the last year. It's different. I'm almost thinking in a funny sort of way, in a weird sort of way. 9-11 was tougher because it was the shock. And the Holocaust happened over years. And this was what was going about our average day and right in our backyard, everything was pulled out from under us. And the feeling, and we watched it. if I had to identify one feeling, it was, that's it. There's nothing stable anymore, anywhere. It was a feeling of yeah. nothing is safe. Well, it, it was also on, on TV. We, we watched people die in front of our eyes. And, yep. and for what it's worth, I was going to save this to the end, but I think one thing I really have no patience for is some of these 9-11 truthers. I mean, uh, listen, I'm probably more cynical about a lot of things in my in my life right now, about politics and everything, but I don't know. That just that just irks me. I, I don't I don't see any evidence for some of the things that these people put out there. We saw what happened with our own two eyes. I mean, what are you trying to say? That our own government had a hand in, in knocking down the towers and, and trying to kill tens of thousands of our own citizens? I just I'm sorry. I just I, I have no patience for that stuff. And I've seen I, some of it. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, however, you know, our reaction to Saudi Arabia, which we're still trying to uh, cozy up to. Um, yeah. Biden's uh, apparently yeah. Given six billion dollars to Iran on September 11th just to rub it in. It, yeah. You no, know, I don't know. That I, I will. Quite, I, I will take innocent as a. I will take the opposite view just to stir the pot here. I think we should forget because every single lesson that the society has learned from 9-11 is the wrong lesson. And uh, if if forgetting um, is what's going to allow us to get rid of the TSA, get rid of the uh, Homeland Security uh theater nonsense you know get rid of all the all the stuff get rid of the stupid wars in the middle east uh you know all the all the lessons we've we've learned you know get rid of the idea that islam is a religion of peace get rid of all that if we can forget maybe we can start over again yeah. and and learn the right lessons which is that uh you know right well i mean i, I don't know as I, as I sit here today and all the things that you're talking about are, are right and true and in a sense too but I, I i think about the border i mean that's one thing that comes right to my mind and i, I can't imagine after 9-11 and what happened that we would have a border that just just not totally shut down completely defended to have people just flowing across even if it's one terrorist one terrorist could kill thousands of us. And the, it and is the interesting that, that it's just, it's it's just one totally, to totally it. treason to me that any president after 9-11 could allow that con to continue. I'm sorry. It is interesting that we haven't had an Islamic based terrorist attack for 
quite some time. Yeah. Um, after President Trump, you know, against the uh, better judgment of his generals, had ISIS completely annihilated. Um, that we really haven't had uh, an Islamic terrorist attack in the United States. Now, in Europe, mm-hmm. of course, where most of their immigrants are, uh, most of their migrants are, um, you know, from Islamic countries, uh, they are constantly getting um, Islamic attacks, low-level um, religionpeace.org, yeah. I think, you know. But yeah. um, right. in the United States, we've pretty much stayed uh, away from that. And I think I think there's two reasons. One, I think the United States is better at integrating people than uh, other countries, as bad as we are. And we are bad, especially with multiculturalism. I think we are better better at integrating people of different um, origins than the Europeans. Um, and I think the other thing is, uh, you know, we killed a lot of Islamic extremists in Iraq and in uh, Mm-hmm. in Syria. Oh, and I'm going to say that the bigger argument is they don't do it when Democrats are in power because it makes them look bad. Well, but, now you need a tinfoil hat, right? Well, but, yeah. I mean, nothing really happened on the Trump either, right? I mean, you not, know, not I think we after he destroyed ISIS. Well, Trump, they're yeah. afraid of, but you don't want to mess with Democrats because, and especially closer and closer you get to elections because that empowers the right. That's always a funny balance that happens in Israel election time. You know, do you want to take a card? I think there's an ebb and flow to a lot of things in life. And I think even war and even terrorism, to some extent, there probably is uh, where things wane for a while and then potentially ramp up. We see it in Israel, right? You you guys know know that very well, that, that there's periods where it's calmer and then all of a sudden there are skirmishes and things ramp up again. So who knows? I mean, all we can say right now is thank God we haven't had anything else major happen. If it saves Alu. even one life, as the brilliant dictator Grisham has said from New Mexico, if it saves even one life, we can we have the authority to declare an emergency and suspend mm-hmm. the entire constitution. So let's build a wall on every border, and anyone who gets close to it, shoot them on sight. Um, could and- we could we make California on the other side of the wall? Just you know, I'm just asking. I'll second that. I, I'm not in- <laughs> Not 100% for a friend, right. but just to add. Yeah. Well, you're right. We don't yeah, have to quite... one life to that. We only apply it to like speed limits and guns. Uh, and I mean, certainly for getting the terrorism part, you have a lot of cr- criminal elements that come here from Mexico and Central America that kill people every day, too. So the, the border is entirely controlled by the cartels, entirely. And not just the Mexican side of the border either. Um, parts of the American side are controlled by the cartels. And they engage in people smuggling now, which is, is very lucrative, but they also understand how the border patrol works or nowadays doesn't work. And they can uh, push migrants into one area, hundreds and hundreds of migrants into one area and then slip through with large drug shipments in another area. And that's one of the things that uh, they're doing, especially with fentanyl, which is extremely uh, small compared to the amount of, of uh, you know, it, it doesn't weigh very much compared to the amount of uh, damage it can do. Um, so I think that uh, 
just the fact that the Mexicans, Mexican government doesn't control the border and that the cartels do it. If you want to see a very good short documentary, Lauren Southern has one called American Mirage, where she goes onto the Mexican side of the border and, and looks from um, LA Times. It's, huh, and looks and sees, uh, you know, what actually goes on. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has a, a short documentary on uh, Twitter where he goes to the American side of the border and interviews uh, the migrants, um, all of whom are, are economic migrants. And the weird thing is they're sold this bill of goods in Central America, South America, that the United States is the land of milk and honey. And when they get here, it's it's not, you know, it's it's not, they're not, they're not jobs for them. They're not, there's no housing for them. They're, you know, they they get money from the government and uh more money than people in Maui, by the way. Um and uh and they just become welfare people, you know, it, it's in, in a sense that I guess, you know, um, it just being handed money um, and living in dilapidated places, 15 to a room is better than living in Guatemala. Are you talking about the Roosevelt Hotel squalor? Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what they think they're getting. Uh, another Lauren Southern documentary uh, um, called Borderless, which she did in Europe. She went and, and, and into North Africa and talked to the migrants. And they told their stories about how they were told by these uh, NGA, NGOs, uh, non-governmental organizations in, in sub-Saharan Africa, what a wonderful place Europe is and all the money they're going to get and all the great things they can happen and they can take the money and send it back to their families and all that. And then, of course, when they get into Europe, uh, it's nothing but a squalor and crime. And even the ones who aren't criminals or aren't, you know, trying to be criminals, they're crime victims. And it's, it's the, you know, it's the, basically it, it you have to be a criminal. You have to fight force with force. And it, it, it's very, very, the whole, the whole process of these NGOs going into the sub-Saharan Africa or Central and South America and then uh, um, telling these stories to these people. And then when they get here, they find that it's, a, you know, it's, it's hell on earth. It, it's, really, uh, it's really criminal. These NGOs are, are, are obviously don't care about the migrants. All they care about is destroying the United States and Europe. I mean, I, I don't, what else can you think? I mean, they're, the, the migrants are, are, you know, there's nothing for them to do here in the United States. Um, and so they just get their government money and hang out on the corner. And, you know, you New know, York is desperately trying to get them work permits right now. Yeah. At least where where will they work? Working. What will they do? I mean, that's the thing. They are not educated. Right. What work will they do? They, they don't need the jobs that Americans won't do. Like yeah, there is low-level skilled labor that millions of South American and uh, Mexican migrants do. Um, there's just a lot of other issues. Well, like the the guys I have um, do the uh, landscaping around here. You know, he goes through the process of getting um, 
work permits, you know, 10 month permits or whatever. There's a special kind of agriculture or landscaping permits to get all his guys up here and he gets the same guys and he trains them and everything. I mean, that's one thing that makes perfect sense and they do a good job. Um, and he speaks Spanish and so they don't have to necessarily speak English. But if you just walk across the border, you don't know English, you have no skills, you have no education. Um, you, in the United States, you, you don't hand someone a shovel and say, dig a ditch. We have, you know, giant machines to do that. There, there's literally nothing for them to do. I don't know. You don't and, have them uh, by the Home Depot by you like we have up here? Yeah, just standing around. And they'll just do labor, whatever you need them to do. Yeah, but it's very, very, uh, you know, and then there's the tax implications of that. Like if you pay cash for a laborer, they're outside of the, you know, they're outside of the tax system. So you can't take that money and, and use it as a business expense. And there's, and, and so it gets the, the companies are, are viol not just violating the tax laws, they, they're getting into this bizarre you know, having to lie about where the cash goes and all of this because they're paying for laborers when they have to report that they're paying cash for something else and they have to fake receipts and all that. And it, it just, everything becomes a criminal. Um, and it's um, it's unsustainable. Obviously, if, if New York is um, groaning under 10,000 migrants, New York City, a city built on immigration is groaning under 10,000 migrants a month, then um, then obviously what's Texas doing with 200,000 migrants a month? You know, they're here, they're called, they're saying Eric Adams went full Trump the other day when he made his speech, you know, specifically huh. calling out various nationalities and ethnicities who are destroying New York. And boy, yeah. oh boy, had a Republican use those words, it would be the end of their careers. Well, he's not the only one that sounded like Trump recently. I think RFK Jr. kind of sounded like Trump too. Yeah, but it's yeah because they Eric Adams all, all the stuff against I, the deep state. Yeah, that he, Adams that he's saying Adams is being told that there's no place to put these migrants, which is true. So they're thinking of putting them in, in Central Park. That'll work great. Um, but uh, RFK actually went to the border and talked to people. You can see it. It's on his Twitter feed. There's a there's a 30, 20 minute documentary about him going to the border. And, uh, you know, what other candidate has gone to the border? Has, uh, you know, has, has DeSantis gone to the El Paso or uh, Big Bend or Brownsville or anything? Has, has Mike Pence done it? Has Nikki Haley done it? Have they actually gone and talked to people, bring a translator and talk to people? No, none of them have done it. They don't care. Yeah, can I ask a stupid question? Because oh. I've brought this up many times before. Senators and governors do not talk to human beings, and you will be hard pressed to convince me otherwise. They have no one-on-one -on -one conversations with any human being under any circumstance. The last time Ted Cruz spoke to a citizen of this country or another country is by 15 years. So I don't buy all these people. We went to the border and we talked to people. I'm so sick of hearing that. I think Ted Cruz talked to somebody in 15 because there was that video of him talking to people and he sounded really good. I went to um, see Ted Cruz in the Bronx in a small restaurant. You couldn't get in the same room unless you were a super high contributing mucky donor. Yeah. They he signed my cowboy hat, but didn't say anything to me. They are surrounded by so many people. Don't they don't talk to anybody. That is such garbage. I talk to immigrants. I can't stand hearing congressmen saying, when I was home, everybody was telling me, BS. 
except for maybe one or two in Wyoming or a time, maybe New Hampshire. Nobody talks to anybody. And they don't have town halls anymore ever since. And even if they do, they're totally fake. The minute you ask a question, I'm sorry, the congressman has to be back for an important vote in Washington. I'm sorry. Or it's curated as to who gets in the town hall. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like Biden. (laughs) These people are so far removed from anything to do with the real life of an American. It's just whatever. There's not much you can do about it. The country's too big. The ruling class, man. It is the ruling class. So um, on to impeachment. Good, bad, distraction, different. A motion to limit debate on this subject to five minutes. <laughs> okay, you have three. We'll the floor, we will yield the floor to dear leader. We have a second, so can we call the question? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think yeah, it needs to be you. done, but I think it needs to be done, but it's, it is it is a distraction. I mean, the we, we have an election coming up, we can remove him legally. Yes, we well, should. Yes, we should go forward with impeachment. Yes, he deserves to be impeached. Yes, he deserves to be convicted. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. But well, some are saying it's not a distraction for the election; it's a distraction for this upcoming government shutdown. Where, of course, we're going to fund the government at whatever level the rule. Gino said this morning that it, it it will give them subpoena power because it's technically a legislative purpose or whatever. So it'll let them subpoena um, a lot of Biden's bank records and, and prove he violated Farah and all oh. that other stuff. So that could be great. Not that anybody yeah. cares, but I think it's good. But the, my question is, supposedly September 30th is another hard deadline for the government to go under. And it's does anybody believe that, you know, the five people, you know, Gates and a couple others who really care are going to have power to shut down the government? Some people think this is a bone that McCarthy's throwing them so he can, you know, Pull a fast one with the budget, but I don't think well, the, here believes the limited number of conservatives in the Congress um, are really annoyed that Trump got impeached for Biden's crimes um, the first time, and uh, and they want Biden to be impeached for Biden's crimes, and I, I think that's that's basically it. I mean, if if they hadn't impeached Trump for pointing out that. Uh, Biden had com- committed bribery, um, then I don't think there would be much uh, much push for it. But the fact that Trump got impeached for something Biden did, I think that they want, uh, again, revenge. I think it's a, a well, revenge. I, I think it's, I mean, I think if you don't do something against him, you're just rolling over and accepting what's arguably the worst behavior ever <laughs> at president. So you, you got to do something. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at it a little differently in one respect. I keep looking for if the Democrats want Biden gone, what what ammunition do they need? What will they be able to use? And if this goes forward and it'll probably just, you know, be going on all of next year, I think they have something here that they could turn to and say, you know what? They're right. The Republicans are right. You know what? I argued you're gonna have to step ago, aside, Joe. Mike, I argued you're gonna have to step aside that the drip drip from the left is getting stronger and stronger. And just last yeah. night, I believe the Washington Post came out with a big column specifically saying Biden do not run. And I think they're heading yeah. in that direction. They just have to figure out what would what to do with the Kamala problem. Apparently, primaries 
are all set in stone within the next few weeks or a couple of months. People have to be on the ballot. So time is starting to become a problem yeah. for them. Um, I, I think there is going to be a push to push them out. This, 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 not this is setting up to be really, honestly, like the weirdest presidential election year yeah. ever. I was a skeptic. It really, start really is. It might actually be pushing him off the cliff. Because Biden is so well, demented. Every they're going to do listen. The they're going to go to him and say, "If you if you don't run for re-election, we're going to pardon you and Hunter." And the Republicans will jump on that because they won't pardon anybody. They can yeah. so they can move forward. Blah blah blah. And I, I mean, no I nobody really wants this guy. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants him. I mean, the, the, Demi- the Democrats. The Democrats don't want. If the left is trying to push him out, why did why did Gavin Newsom say he's not running? Because he has to say that until he's pushed out. He can't. Well, I mean, people say they're never going to just say nothing. Who cares what he said? He's not going to strike at the king before he's down. Yeah. I think every single day there's. Why not just keep your mouth shut? He didn't have to say anything. Because uh, politicians can't keep their mouth shut. I've been asking that question for a year. <laughs> you can't keep their mouth shut. But I, I just I think the pressure is building to either push him out now or to make sure he doesn't run for re-election. I'm not totally sure. I, I mean, look again. Uh, the, they they could pull a switcheroo a year a year from now. They could pull a switcheroo and they'll they'll get away with it. I'm not sure how complicated that is though. Like, I don't understand. I don't think they the can pull what the New Jersey people did with Torricelli, Mike. I think it's complicated. I think they could do whatever they At want. At the convention, they can do it. Who's going to stop them? Are you going to go to the DNC and stop them? Right. At a convention, they'll make the same exact argument that, that was made for Torricelli, which was, oh no, you can't just have. No, no candidate. You know, I mean, you, you can't go into a well, general remember, election. The election is to elect with no elect- party candidate. But it's and fifty elections. Candidate. It's not one election. Yeah. He'd have they'd have they'd have to be able to do that in all fifty states. No, Mike is right. They could do it at a convention. They could do whatever. Convention's they want. not right. up to the convention. But once he's nominated, right? I mean, Torricelli was nominated. It happened. I mean, what, like a couple weeks, two months, six I, weeks before the election. So I think I think they can that? get away with any anything that they want to get away. How but did they do it? The convention and conventions are until the summer, correct? August. Yeah. So, yeah. Before or after the Olympics, depending. <laughs> now, I, I think, Mike, yeah, you do have a point, which gives them a lot more time to play around with it. And, you know, somebody said it a while ago. I think it needs to be said almost every day. Uh, country of 330 million people and we're going to uh, run a biden against donald trump well this, this is the best know, we they, can get this they, is so sad it's always they, the worst two people we somehow find the worst two well, and put them in the world series against they, each other the other option is for all of us to lead the movement to register as democrats and when the primary rolls around we vote for rfk jr uh, there are people who do it. <laughs> or secede. I mean, honestly, like, probably my one little vote in here in New Jersey in the primary. New Jersey primary is never matters anyway, because it's like way off in June. Switch around and uh, register as a Democrat and vote for RFK. Well, New York, if you're a Republican, there's no point in voting in a primary anyway. And I'm not ready to become a Democrat. I mean, they, they infiltrate uh, our primaries all the time, the left. So why don't we muck up theirs? I'm <laughs> doing it. <laughs> There's still 50% of the people on our side saying just because they do it doesn't mean we should do it. Now, I, I know uh, 
our panel right now doesn't agree with that much, but there's still no. too many people saying it. Uh, well, they need to get with the program. Well, <laughs> they, they do need to get with the program, which is why we, we keep losing. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, what's going to happen with this budget thing? They're going to give in, right? The Republicans? Why should we ever think otherwise? I mean, I guess Gates could do that motion, you know, to vacate the chair thing and make a little bit more drama. But I can't imagine that anybody wins in the end, right? The people lose. That's all I know. We always lose. That's, yeah. That's one, one way to look at it, I guess. So, all right. Yeah. I mean, it always comes down to the same thing. You know, shut down the government or not. And who's going to get the blame? And, blah, and blah, they, blah, 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 blah. It's never going to shut down. And even if it does, it means nothing because it's like 1% of the government actually shutting down. And it's only pepper. It's such BS. And, 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 it's, and it's a total PR loser for Republicans. Or so they've it's the convened. same thing over and over again. Groundhog's Day, the movie. Mm-hmm. Did you guys talk about Starlink yet? No. No. So tell us what happened with Starlink. From a basic understanding, um, there's something called Starlink that Laser actually uses. It's kind of like a massive new innovation over the last few years where there are satellites in super low orbit. Um, and, and Ed will correct me if I'm wrong, obviously. And they provide, you know, you buy the uh, modem and it directly connects to whichever satellite is closest to it. It beams straight up and you get really good, like good Wi-Fi or good Ethernet level upload and download speeds um, anywhere in the world. So you can be in the middle of the ocean, Alaska, Hawaii, anywhere in the world and you get Starlink pretty much because there are like thousands of satellites already. Elon Musk, SpaceX did this from Elon Musk's companies with SpaceX and all that, Starlink. Anyway, he, I think for free, provided the Ukrainian government military um, for the last two years, tons of Starlink um, service for free, maybe, you know, billions of dollars worth. But apparently what happened is they discovered recently that like a year ago when Ukraine's government was going to strike the Russian Navy vessels when they were at anchor, um, they were docked or whatever, they were going to strike them. Either they asked Musk to turn on Starlink in that area and he didn't, or Musk turned off Starlink in the area because he didn't want to start nuclear war, World War III, and annihilate all humans. Um, and now they're saying that he's essentially guilty of treason. And Elizabeth Warren and other communists are essentially saying they are 100% entitled to Starlink, just like they're entitled to live and breathe. And I'm like, literally, Musk owns it. Shut up, you ungrateful B.I something ch and um i actually said that on twitter to elizabeth warren and um the, the entitlement is so sickening it made me angry so i wrote a whole article last night i got the, i got the idea from good morning liberty um nate and charlie do a podcast liberty at night on the free talk live network now and um, they said all cruise liners should also with the defense production act bs and the domain they should be forced to provide all of their cruise ships and build new cruise ships in the future for the ukrainian navy and if they don't, they're guilty of treason because they're essentially helping Russia, which is an enemy, and they're all guilty of treason. So if Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, Disney, MSC, and all the other cruise liners don't give every single ship to Ukraine within a week, they should all go to prison for life for treason because we have to help Ukraine. And if everyone doesn't do everything they can for the war effort, a la Defense Production Act, BS, then they should all go to prison forever. So I wrote that article on Liberty Block late last night saying Carnival, all the board members of Carnival Cruise Line and all other cruise lines should go to prison forever if they don't. Um, donate everything to Ukraine, the Navy vessels. When well, did we it, declare it, war on Russia? Ed, it, declare war? Come on, don't be crazy. Declare war? 
<laughs> you don't have to do that. According to Elon, uh, you know, obviously the terminals have uh, GPS in them, and so they report their locations. So uh, Starlink is not available everywhere. He's turning them on one location at a time, and uh, and that's primarily because the Starlink. Uh, satellite constellation is its own mesh network because obviously you know once the signal goes up it has to go around the earth and then down again someplace to get hooked up to the internet and so there's there's inter-satellite traffic that that takes um you know the signal from any given ground station and and takes it up and then around and then back down to another ground station so it's not turned on everywhere in the world because he thinks um, that the satellite constellation is not robust enough for all that traffic. So he's he's moving it out. So he opened it up in Ukraine um, uh, minus the uh, minus Crimea. He never opened it up in Crimea. And, and one reason is that he didn't want the Russians to use it um, because the Russians can get Starlink terminals. They've probably captured a bunch of them. Um, so the Ukrainians wanted him to turn it on in Ukraine. And then he said this stupid thing about he didn't want to encourage World War II, World War III, which is stupid. Um, but, uh, you know, every once in a while, Elon, you know, smart thing, smart thing, smart thing, incredibly stupid thing, smart thing, smart thing. That's, that's Elon. Well, it's not going to cause World War III. Uh, if, if Ukraine takes over uh, Crimea, it's not going to cause World War III. The Russians are not going to, you know, nuke the Ukrainians or nuke the West if uh, Ukraine takes Crimea. That's that's a scare tactic. Um, now, on the other hand, I, I again, I think they should come to some sort of peace agreement. But I, I, I think that if the Ukrainians did take Crimea, um, that would not be the end of the world. Um, well, when we're saying I don't think the Russians would encourage. And, and empower the Navy to send bombs, missiles, torpedoes to Russian vessels because that could escalate things and get toward World War III. Why well, is he's that already just... doing that. His, his, his Starlink has provided the Ukrainian army with all of their uh, SATCOM tactical comms for the entire war. So he's already doing that. So it doesn't make any sense. But whatever, it's his stuff. He can do whatever he wants. He's a private company. That's actually interesting because aren't there like rules about non-governmental people doing, I don't know, diplomatic or foreign relations work? How does, how does that go? Like, is there no limit to what a private person can do? Or, or is that well, only- even Again, we're not at war. war? So is, is that- at war, they're at. not at war? Yeah. I, I, mean, I have a question for Ed. Ed in this article, I mentioned the Defense Production Act. Um, you would think that it's oh could only be invoked during a time of war. Obviously, I laughed earlier because the United States government hasn't declared war since World War II. Um, but Biden and Trump both did invoke the DPA. Well, I think the deep the there was a war declared in Afghanistan and in Iraq. I thought that was an authorization to use military force, and it was a question if that was a war. Congress didn't declare war, did they? It, it was an authorization, I believe. Yeah, they yeah. Did. and who did, who did we who would we have been declaring war against? It wasn't another state. But I mean, the DPA doesn't say it needs a declared war, does it? I don't know. I'll try to read it. Yeah, that's a good question. 
Because that was my impression. I thought it was called like the War Act, the War Something Power Act of something. No, Defense Production Act, as far as I know. So I, it's just a little interesting that one person, and he's not the only person powerful enough, can so incredibly affect the balance of power in the world by turning his switches on and off. I don't know. But why not? In a free world, some people would be very powerful. Bill Gates has been long very powerful, and and a lot of others have. I I don't know. Yeah, my libertarian says side says fine. I mean, you know, Daniel Jump's book I think is coming out in a couple of weeks about Bill Gates. But there's something about turning satellites on and off privately. I don't know. Am I the only one bothered by that? That's the future anarchists want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can see why it's disconcerting on a practical level. Yes, Musk has a lot of power. He can he can do a lot of stuff. Um, and in a real free market, there would be multiple companies with satellites. Probably the barrier to entry for SpaceX kind of satellites like Starlink was probably so tremendous it cost billions and Musk can afford it and startups can't. In a real free market, well, one web no is, barrier for one, one web is building a similar system. And uh, when they ran out of, um, you know, launch capability, they asked uh, Elon to launch their satellites. And he said, sure. So, I mean, it, you know, it's there are going to be competing satellite constellations. Um, but I think that, you know, we're all naive if we think that these satellite constellations are purely um, privately controlled, despite Elon's, you know, semi-idiotic statement. Um, I have a feeling that if the United States government asked him to turn it on in Crimea, he'd turn it on in Crimea. I, I, I tend to believe that they don't want it turned on in Crimea because they don't want Russians using it. That's my obvious. And by the way, um, the NASA, the federal government, NASA said they own all of space. In fact, if you even think of taking the picture of anything in space, they're going to say it's their property because they own all of space. So Musk, I'm sure the federal government is not thinking in the paradigm of this is all private stuff in a private environment. Um, they think, in their opinion, the federal government probably thinks NASA, um, Elon Musk, Starlink is in their domain. So they're letting him be in their backyard because they own all space. So it's, it's not a purely private thing. I'm sure if you ask them, I'm sure he needed a million licenses to put up satellites because NASA claims to own literally the universe. So Ed P, you probably know more about it than we do. If I want to set, send up a satellite from my backyard tomorrow, do I need permission? Yeah, you need FAA permission. That's what uh, Elon wants to go with the next Starship mission, and they're waiting on the FAA. The last Starship mission caused a lot of damage on the ground. Giant pieces of concrete flung a mile. <laughs> it's just wow. a lot. Um, so uh, they're waiting for the FAA. So in that to sense, approve. not much more private than anything else. If you need permission to do, it. and there are and there are international conventions on like where you can put satellites and stuff. Um, you, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, yes and no. Uh, you know, I, I think if you wanted to do something in your backyard, uh, probably not. But if you, you know, got a decent place where they'll let you build a launch pad and that's a local thing and the FAA gives you clearance to launch, 
Okay, but you need government clearance. Bottom line, you can't do anything without the government. Right. It's not like, uh, you know, the old science fiction books like, um, you know, Ray Bradbury uh, or Robert Heinlein, where you you make a spaceship, make a rocket in your backyard and and launch it. It should be, but it isn't. Okay, see, he's operating at the government's whim anyway. They could shut him down. Uh, Yes and no, right? He's got the government by the short and curlies uh, because the government realized in the Ukraine war that, oh, you know, maybe only having a couple dozen uh, satellites for MILSATCOM is probably not as good as having a couple dozen thousand satellites for MILSATCOM because, um, you know, having a few few giant satellites are just big targets for the Chinese and having thousands of little satellites is like the Chinese just could, couldn't do anything. So um, I think he's got the government by the short girlies because I, I can tell you that um, if they were to mess with Musk, uh, the, the rest of the company would walk. And it's it's not a it's not a company it's not it's not a company like you know Disney where nobody cares or any of these other companies if they mess with Musk uh, they wouldn't have any launch capability at all so he's Musk has power the government has power it's a balance of power ah, mutually assured destruction all over again just like in my house you see I have power in my house and, and- then. Orion has no cat owner has any power. Come on. Yes, I have some power, not a lot. I am practicing to become a Bond villain, by the way. That's my. Uh, Then we have to shave something there. Uh, Well, nature is uh, nature is doing its work, shaving my head. As far as the cat being shaved, that's no, no, no. That's that's in the uh, you know. Dr. Evil. That's Dr. Evil. I'm, I'm talking about a real honest to God bond. You're not going to be a parody. Right. All right. Now I'm already a parody. <laughs> Before I leave in a minute, I have a meeting I have to go to in a minute. Um, do you guys want to talk about the Supreme Court and New Mexico and how the Supreme Court is useless, like I said in an article like three we years ago. We spoke about it before you came on. And or I do you want to talk about the cringiest video in the universe of Wordwinner? <laughs> Which I video? Can I show you guys a video? Are you talking about that lady who became a lesbian? Yeah. I don't find it that cringy. <laughs> Why do you find it that cringy? I, Tell everybody what you're you know, about. playing the play video, for, you have to... I'm going to play it for 30 seconds. And then let our viewers decide. I didn't think it was that cringy. Okay, well, we'll discuss it in a second. Let's see if we can get sound here. I don't know if that'll work. Okay. Yeah, the sound will not work. Okay. Oh, no, maybe it will. Okay. My husband, uh, Cindy X, and he had the sweetest and most amazing reaction. And this is what he said. What did you say? And now we are going our own deadlines, and we're about to put this house on the market. And that's all she wrote. You like my accent? Be that good of a person. Early. Oh my God. I, 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 all I can say is that someone behind the camera had a rifle trained at that guy. 
um, because only that would make a guy behave as such a complete and utter, uh, you know, bad word. Or he just knows. Men are men are castrated these days uh, as it is. So why why would that surprise you? Oh man, we need a man be castrated in real time. We we definitely need a. What's that? Let me offer a different hypothesis. Maybe his reaction was, thank God, let me get rid of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that could well, be true. It's like, this I mean, is a miracle. Yeah, he's that kind of person. Yeah. I mean, my other thought is, is it all just fake? But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's true. But anytime I, I see, I mean, anytime I see these videos on the Internet, on TikTok, it could be. You got to put the fake ra- radar up, and and you, you know what I mean. There's a lot of stuff that's just. He not could just say he there. identifies as a female and a lesbian as well, no. and just get married and not have to sell the house. Yeah. Well, that's the proof he doesn't want to. I, it's funny. I didn't find it all that cringeworthy compared to everything else that's going on in the culture. You know, we mentioned, yeah. you know, Senator Kennedy reading from books in right. Congress. That's far more cringeworthy, I think, than this. I mean, the fact that she's giggling about breaking up a marriage, I, I don't know if they have kids or not. But, I think that's kind of sad. It's, but, sick. it's but, very, very sick. And yeah, when we say yeah. millennials, we mean a certain, we mean like, like it yeah. really makes you great. Yeah. I mean, assuming it's true, I mean, think about just how narcissistic the society has become. The, the TikTok generation, um, the whole selfie culture. I mean, to put something like that out there, like, you're doing something that deserves some kind of praise and whoa, look at you. I mean, you're great. I mean, it just, it really, it, it boggles the mind. And it's interesting because one of my Facebook friends shared a, a whole article about Taylor Swift and the author of the article was up. I guess his whole beef was the whole selfie culture kind of thing that the music she writes and more specifically the lyrics are all about, you know, oh my God, my other boyfriend left me, and oh, it's so horrible. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I get that the, a lot of that stuff is cringeworthy, but there's a lot of other stuff that's polluting the culture. That's the whole that's, culture that's is that's so self absorbed. I mean, listen, so self absorbed. You want to talk about a, a song, one particular song that that polluted the culture that rose to number one? I'll, I'll give you Cardi B's WAP, and I don't know if all of you even know what that's about. <laughs> Uh, Ed, Ed knows, yes. right? Okay, it's vulgar. It's vile. It's disgusting. There's a ton of songs. It rose to to number one, number one. So anyway, well, Mike, I think your point about the narcissistic aspect is really the best point at the moment. You know, when I said that I watched when they interview college kids about nine eleven, and whenever they do these campus interviews and they ask people what they know about various things in history. In a way, the most disturbing part isn't that they know nothing. It's that they giggle about it as if they're proud to know nothing. And <laughs> that's what your words are kind of bringing up for me. It's like, ha, 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 ha. I have no idea when we declared independence from uh, China. And yeah. they laugh about it. It's like we're proud to be stupid. And that's kind of what I'm yeah. seeing in this lady. I'm proud to be breaking up a family, betraying my vows, betraying my husband, and who knows what else. And maybe that's yeah. what- I mean, you know, obviously a big part of it is the whole LGBTQ, XYZ, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Well, for those of us who uh, pretend or identify as straight, 
isn't it more brave to identify a straight today than to identify <laughs> something else? Yeah. Exactly. It can't be brave anymore when you're like if you're they're kid, saying they're the majority, pretty much. Right. If you're if you're if you're his age, yes, it is uh, brave. Well, all right. We should welcome uh, Abel to the show, the first grandchild of Liberty Block. Yeah. And the ultimate insurrectionist. Yes. And, I hope. I hope uh, he insurrects against uh, uh, you and his mom once in a while, just to give you a taste of a little bit of anarchy in your house. <laughs> he insurrected around three or four times today and got some insurrection on the floor and the carpet, by the way. <laughs> um, so when you see the brown spots on our carpet when you visit, yeah. and and uh, yeah, so got a funny glasses on. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting because he's multi-ethnic, so he'll be able to identify as pretty much anything. Oh, speaking of being uh, white, I have to leave in a second, but speaking of being white and getting into college, I spoke to someone else who's at UNC Law School, and he reminded me that if, if I also get in, like he got in, there's an asterisk because now that after the UNC, I forgot they were the main defendant in the Supreme Court case that Ed Maslich will tell us more about in a second when I leave, with the racism against whites, the affirmative action thing, I forgot UNC was like the defendant. So they really got embarrassed when the Supreme Court ruled they can't be so anti-white with their admissions with affirmative action. So now there's less of the anti-white racism. So it'll be easier for me to get able. It'll be easier for me to get in as a white person. So he's already saying, if I get in still, it doesn't mean I'm as good as him because there's an asterisk. I, I think it was more anti-Asian than anti-white. Uh, I am Asian. I that was... That's the whole thing. Yeah. I, yeah, you're right. It was anti-Asian, anti-white. And he said, UNC actually, they put out a big statement being like really, um, uh, seemingly like sorry and contrite and like we violated the law and they oh, were I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, so they, sure. they must and, feel and we will figure out cleverer ways to violate the law exactly by the way UNC had its second lockdown in a couple of weeks today I don't know if anybody heard because well, I heard on on okay so today, on campus. this afternoon what why again because there's a shooter another gun and another shooting it's BS I have from my source at UNC saying one person allegedly at the at the bagel store on campus allegedly got in a fight with the cashier and the customer allegedly um uh displayed a firearm and that's it nothing else happened but everyone says oh my god another shooter locked down oh my god the world is over david hogg marched for our lives to the north carolina capital again in dc and uh we need to ban all guns so yeah that was the incident today but yeah there was lockdown again you can see which sucks but the left is flipping out and uh, yeah, that, that's what happened. Maybe, maybe they can borrow Governor Grisham for a day and she can uh, make an emergency order. Yep. So. Well, I too have to leave exactly at seven. And I wanted to, I wanted to have one last little story before I left. Uh, the uh, White House briefing done by uh, the National Security Council spokesman, John Kirby. He has been a hack and a flack for many years. Uh, he was asked by a reporter who was not named, and I couldn't recognize his voice, but it, it wasn't obviously um, the Fox guy. This is the question that John Kirby was asked, and it's brilliant. In the past couple of weeks, the president has lied about being at ground zero the day after the September 11th attacks, falsely claimed he saw the Pittsburgh Bridge collapse, claimed his grandfather died in the hospital days before his birthday. What is going on with the president? Is he just believing things that didn't happen, did happen? Or is he just randomly making stuff up? And I just think uh, that um, the fact that someone other than Peter Ducey is asking this question 
um, to the White House uh, spokes individual um, is uh, is fantastic. And well, I, some I of the other media have been hitting back about it. Now the new thing, he just embellishes a little bit. But listen, everybody knew he was a liar since the 87 plagiarism scandal. There's no surprises in his making stuff up and nobody cared, which is why I believe the press bringing it out now a little bit more is saying that they're slowly people, trying to get rid of him. People cared well, you know, Trump's hyperbole and, and lies were like front page news every time they happened. They counted and, and, his lies, remember? Yeah. Like and, and this is... Uh, and this is like, ah, don't worry about it. I mean, it's disgusting to say I was at 9-11 the day after. What a disgusting human being. You're right, Ed, in 87, I think the country still had, maybe I'm crazy, a little bit of dignity. Yeah, we've we've lived long enough since, 19, since the 1980s. That Remember when John Edwards was forced out of the race? Uh, when was that? Because he had uh, an affair on a boat called Monkey Business? I think that was um, 2000, 2008 or 2004, maybe. Yeah, and 2004, Hart, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't Hart forced out because of some affair on a boat? Oh, uh, maybe it was. Well, that was 1984, Gary Hart. Gary Hart. Yeah, that long Gary ago? Hart. Wow. It was monkey business, yeah. Gary, Gary, Hart, Hart, Gary Hart pants. Yeah. That, isn't Gary that what Hart. Rush used to call him? What do you call him? Gary Hart pants. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I have to go. I have another appointment. Bonsoir, thank you. Next week. Okay. Mike, what didn't we get to that you needed to get to? Um, well, I have a couple of villains of the week. How about that? We'll we'll go in a little different direction. Present company so, excluded, of course. Yes. Uh no, of course you guys are, are not villains. Um ah shoot. I'm losing my, my computer is not cooperating with me here, but I don't know if you guys heard. Um Earlier this week, the former co-star of the show, That 70s Show, um, was uh, sentenced. He was found guilty of two rapes. And, uh, you know, what what happened was the, the two bigger stars on the show, Ashton Kutcher, who used to be married to Demi Moore, now married to Mila Kunis, who used to also be on That 70s Show apparently wrote a letter to the court uh, vouching for the character of their former co-star. And uh, the guy who the guy who was um, sentenced or found guilty is his name is Danny Masterson. So that was their former co-star. Uh, now, what's really interesting about this to me, a couple of things, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher founded a nonprofit that was with Demi Moore to um, help with women who were sexually being sexually exploited. So he was actually an activist on behalf of uh, of women against their sexual exploitation. And then of course, there's the whole thing about the Me Too movement and liberals saying all women must be believed, but that certainly didn't stop these two from trying to help out their friend and buddy who he was found guilty. And I have no reason to believe otherwise that he wasn't guilty of, of raping at least two women. So they're so my, the point they're my of villains the of the week. They're the villains because they backed him up. Somebody they're else villains because they backed him up because they're liberal leftists who believe in all that stuff, the Me Too stuff. All women must be believed, but the minute it's their okay. friend, not, that's okay. all out the window. But they're, Ashton Kutcher is also a blatant hypocrite for being involved in a nonprofit 
that was supposed to be defending women against sexual exploitation and but he didn't he didn't bat an eye about trying to help out his friend who was being accused of rape was it rape rape oh yes <laughs> it was rape rape no that is a good point mike it is a good point somebody else um, just came out um backing either kutcher and kunis or straight backing masterson so somebody else had no problem speaking up about it yeah but and, it, and it, you know it, what hypocrisy is yeah um, i mean the other thing that comes to mind about this is is um the uh the island where everybody was going to right jeffrey epstein's he, island jeffrey epstein's Ep island, island. And, and that that's the one thing that comes to mind and you could see the pattern there of how they all protect themselves well maybe a whole bunch of protect each other stuff going on and and need to right yes yeah ed m clean up uh i got a couple things i mean one we didn't uh we didn't spend any time talking about the proud boys and the sentences on them uh i think we touched on it last week did we touch on it last week possibly okay. i think we did yeah it's, it's pretty so maybe i'm maybe my clock is not working right then uh the other thing that i saw two two related stories nancy pelosi is going to run again and mitch romney uh, mitt romney, <laughs> mitt romney said that he won't run again but there's talk that he's going to run on the no labels ticket for president oh god good luck with that and uh my, my reaction to both stories was was that <clears throat> Not only are we sort of like the fall of Rome, but it, it reminds me of the, the fall of the Soviet Union. And I, I think I mentioned this in a recent show. All of our leaders, all of them are just these old, decrepit people like in the Soviet Union. Yeah. And I mean, it's just it's startling to me how similar it is, whether it's and it's bipartisan. You know, Mitch wow. McConnell is, is as bad as as. Um, What's his name? You know, the guy from from Pennsylvania, Fetterman, Fetterman, right. Fetterman and Biden and Pelosi. And I mean, Rom Romney is not dementia ridden, but, yeah. you know, he's 76 years old. He looks like he's 96. I think it's more true in the Senate than in the House. But yes. Well, we didn't we have people in the House also forever and ever. Sure, we do. But I, I think you get an influx of some younger people at times. Also, when you run for six years at a time, you know, AOC, you, man, you, you, you big jump. <laughs> but, Ed, you know, it goes back to what I said before about if the best two candidates we have are Biden and Trump. Is this the voters fault or the voters really have no say who gets into oh. the elections anyway? And it's very sad. You know, I mean, that's a longer discussion. You know, you guys were sure. alluding to to the primary and, and, you know, Biden and all that. And, you know, Mike, Mike and Ed were talking about you know, registering as Democrats. But the reality is the Democrats have, have amended the rules of their convention. It really doesn't matter what the what the vote is. I mean, I, I'm not privy to the exact rule changes, but I've heard some of them yeah. talk about how it doesn't matter how the vote turns out. They can decide who's going to be the, the nominee, regardless of what the voters say. So I don't think it's fair to, to blame the voters. On top, you know, that's one one reason. And then the other obvious reason is the, the voter fraud that, that, you know, we talked about last week. The, you know, the Democrat in, uh, was it Mississippi, I think, that came out and said, you know, he had strong proof of, of voter fraud. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much voter fraud, you know, fraud going on. 
how can you blame the voters for that? I mean, that's that's the parties. Those that's the political leader. Well, look, I mean, the the electorate in general leaves a lot to be desired, nonetheless, despite the party rules and everything like that. Um, listen, that well, yeah, we that's a whole, over this for is a whole other. This is a whole larger yeah. discussion. We rolled over for COVID. You know, thankfully, we're not rolling over in New Mexico, as we talked about earlier in the show. But we've rolled over and taken a whole lot of things yeah. that we should never have taken. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't started by TSA, it was advanced by it, as I yeah. say. Well, I think we forgot the biggest story of the week. And that and that's Aaron Rodgers and the fact that the Jets are cursed. <laughs> well, I'll take credit for that right here. Proudly, <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, I, I I root for both home teams, uh, you know, here here in New Jersey, and uh, I mean, I was I was optimistic for the Jets for a change. I was optimistic. I thought maybe this is the year the the Jets finally break through. It would be nice to see the Jets break through. Mike, can and I give you some advice? Snaps, four snaps into the season, and he Mike gone. I give you some <laughs> advice as an old man who sometimes plays clergy. If you want the Jets to not be cursed, let Namath apologize to Unitas, and then the world can be well. Well, he needs to apologize to Susie Colbert. <laughs> Who's that? Wait, I missed that one. That that was when he oh, was drunk. He was drunk on the sidelines, and he said, I want to kiss you. Oh. To the sideline Monday reporter. Night football. Yes. For the world to see. All right. Well, I'm sorry. We is Aaron Rodgers done, well, Mike, or is he coming back? I, I don't know, but I, I, as a Mets fan, I see a theme this year, which is stop going with the old guys, the old pitchers, the old quarterbacks. It doesn't well, work. That ties into my last point about all of our <laughs> old decrepit leaders. Wait a minute. Am I hearing a coup against me on this show right now? <laughs> wow. Bring in new, I guess that's why Alu brought Abel in. Uh, <laughs> new, new blood. All right, folks, we thank you very, very much to the Jews Jews out there. We wish you a happy and a healthy Jewish New Year. Yeah, and and last but not least, I mean, we did talk about 9-11, and again, it, it's worth spending even a, just a couple of seconds here to, to, to remember the, the families and everything that happened. Um, you know, I saw a post on one of my high school alumni pages on Facebook, and there were nine... Um, there were there were nine people, nine other gentlemen who went to my high school, Bergen Catholic, all all male high school here in Oradell, New Jersey. Um, one of them was a former classmate, and um, you know that stuff does help to bring it home to you still, even all these years later. Um, the families who are affected can never ever get o get over it. Their emotions will never never wait. Yep, and when you live still in the city, somewhat in New Jersey, you still see more of the T-shirts, more of the Never Forget signs. It's, I don't know, it'll take a really long time till it's not raw in New York City. That's for sure. So, all right, guys. Okay, see y'all next week, regular time. Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at liberty libertyblock.com. Have a wonderful week. Bye bye.